And welcome to a special edition of the Horrendous Agenda podcast with special guest Joey Coco Diaz, one of the country's leading comedians. You've seen him in The Longest Yard, Grudge Match. He's worked with De Niro, Basinger, Sylvester Stallone, Jimmy Fallon. He's here today in California's capital city. Although, listening to this conversation, you may feel like you're on the corner of 79th Street and Kennedy Boulevard in North Bergen, New Jersey, where we both grew up. He's appearing this weekend in Sacramento at the Punchline. Check him out there. Multiple shows throughout the weekend. He is here with us to reminisce on hoop life and life back in Jersey. Joey, it's tremendous to see you. It's tremendous to see you, Billy. If these people knew that I'm listening to your voice right now and I'm thinking of the deli we grew up in and you would come in there with a basketball with Parker and harass us older guys like, come on, you guys going to hoop and you, <laughs> you have your little ball and and all that's gone. Like that that deli, that whole state of mind. Like I just asked the other day, I guess Glenn lives with his mother in an old folks home. And when you go home now, how bad is it not having that deli? That was our, uh, that that was was the, our thing. That was our clubhouse, you know. How about the receipts on the register with everyone's bill? Tremendous. You know, you would go in there and just say, Mrs. Hash, make me a roast beef on rye. With Swiss tomato, light on the salt, heavy on the pepper. And she'd give you a complimentary pickle. You get some wise potato chips and a Coke. And it was your summer. It really was. First time I had one of those sandwiches, I didn't know about ashtrays. I was playing basketball at that Our Lady of Fatima a lot. And uh, Fulvio Pagliaro. Pagliaro, yes. And he felt so guilty. He goes, Let me buy you a sandwich. And when I first bought in, bit into that Ashway's roast beef that they made daily, <laughs> and she was losing the hair, so you'd always get a piece of hair in your food, <laughs> and you never complain. You ate it; it was like seasoning. And I, we just you, once you ate that sandwich, it just became something like you knew you were home. And it's really hard to describe to the people that, like that didn't have a deli where everybody. Uh, I still remember watching it burned. Yep. September yep. of 84, you know, and sitting out of Corky's and watching it burn and, like, really being sad inside. We were cracking jokes and stuff, but really being sad. It was so. a place of love, Coco. I mean, it the way really the Hashways, I mean, uh, talk about being friends and just rocks of the community and all that they've done. And, you know, on a much lighter note, and this was kind of funny, now you're the comedian. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up yet, but... Hot August afternoon, I walk around the corner, I bump into, of course, Tommy Parker. So Tommy says to me, he says, Bill, listen, uh, go in there, uh, roast beef, mustard cheese, mustard cheese, lettuce, tomato, and mayo on a hard roll. I'll take care of you. Put it on your bill, and I'll take care of you later. Of course, I walk in, I say to Joe, I said, Joe, I'll have, he goes, what do you want, Bill? I said, I have uh, roast beef, mustard cheese, uh, lettuce, cheese, and tomato on a hard roll. He says, get the hell out of here. That sandwich is for Parker. <laughs> Now, somebody said that was in Seinfeld, you know, the fruit stand where yeah, Kramer yeah, yeah, yeah. and Jerry and all, but so this predated that, but uh, yeah, it was just a hub of, of the community in a special time and a special place. And I agree with you. I think the kids of today, it's unfortunate that maybe there's not that type of cohesion uh, that, you ha- that we were fortunate to, to have. It breaks your heart. Like, when I really think about it, it destroys my insides because it meant so much. Like, every time I go home now, I got to go to Chance Dragon Inn to meet everybody. Where then I would go, listen, I'm going to be by Ashes at 5, swing by. And we'd sit in there till 6.30 and talk and just laugh and giggle. And, you know, 
but that's all gone now. It's so weird that it's a Cuban place now, and I'm Cuban, and I won't go in there. Just because in my heart it will always be Hashways. You know? And, of course, the lot next door, gone, built uh, up. Yeah. And that was, like you said, owned by the church. And, I mean, we obviously rotated every season. It was the, it was like the Green Monster Fenway Park. We played wiffle ball in baseball season, always playing hoop year-round, football in there as well, two-hand touch, uh, just tremendous. It's uh... – and it had fenced. It was fenced. Exactly, So you yes. could lose your mind in there. You know, it was right on <laughs> Kennedy Boulevard. So you were on top of things. People could still come up to you and ask you questions. It wasn't like playing down at 88th Street Park or 82nd Street Park. This was you were right there. That was like playing at the Garden. People are driving by. You'd want to make shots. The high archer by Parker on game point. Oh, he tried to right. sky. The, oh he'd go. Remember, he'd back you in in the corner, in the corner. and he'd throw the high archer up, and he'd want to have the iced tea nothing, in his hand by the time it went through the net, nothing, like curry. Nothing but river bottom. <laughs> That's what he used to say. Nothing but river bottom. <laughs> the best and, trash talker ever, Tommy Parker. And there was a place across the street from it that was called Nick's Pizza. Nick was a Greek guy that made pizza. Now that's big today, where you could be a non-Italian and make pizza. But in the 70s, Nick got frowned upon. We threw snowballs at him. (laughs) Nick was as politically incorrect (laughs) as they came. Can you curse on here? What? You can curse on here. Nick, one day, Nick, we had a friend growing up that he's now the assemblyman of New Jersey. His name is Anthony Veneri, and he had a funeral parlor. But Veneri was very cheap growing up. And Veneri would go to to, to Nick's and buy a slice of pizza but he would cross the street and get an iced tea in a container. Remember the boys <laughs> yes, in a container? Yes, exactly. Because they were a nickel cheaper. <laughs> and Nick would follow, Nick would be talking to us and he'd go, where's Vanitti? Where's Vanitti with his slice? And we go, he's crossing the street the next to Hashways to get it. He would go out into Kennedy Boulevard, which is your main street, and he would yell, Vanitti! would just yell it in the boulevard like there was no political. <laughs> he would call me to my face. He would call me the what do you want? And, he, and then when he caught me, one night I got really high and went in there, and I puked on myself, and he started calling me Belushi, because <laughs> Belushi was all jacked up then. But Nick, we used to torment. So, like, if you found something, like jewelry, Nick liked jewelry. So I would go and, like, go to Nick and go, Nick, look at this ring. It's a diamond ring. It wasn't no diamond ring. And Nick would look at it, look at me, look at me, and he'd go, what do you want? And you'd say, Nick, give me $30 and a meatball hero, right? And he'd, he'd give you the $30, but he'd take that ring and he'd hide it in, a, in, a, in a, an apron that he had. And I'd go back two days later, I'd ask him to pee. I'd go back there pee and I'd steal the ring back. And then I'd go back three days and Nick, come here, I got a diamond for you. Where did you get that from? I mean, he was a degenerate horse gambler. Oh, yeah, yeah. He it was in the racing form, yeah. He yeah. the pizza place at two. You'd be starving after school, you go to Nick's. It'd be a sign. Nick went to the ninth race. See you at five thirty. I mean, you could, you know, there was a bar next to it named Gregory's Seven Day Weekend. The guy's name was Greg Kokorian. He sold more Hondas in night in the seventies than anybody ever. He bought this bar. Nick and him used to get into fistfights. He used to throw. Nick would throw snowballs. I mean, you cannot. The education I got just on those four streets. Remember when Wizards was there? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's where I used to buy pot. You got off the, the bus, and you went right to Hashways. You ate a sandwich. You went to the liquor store next door to Hashways. Somebody bought you booze, and then you went to Wizards, and you got your pot. You got your little mescaline. You were set for the night. Crazy. That could never, ever happen again. <laughs> we had a liquor store that would deliver. That's right. That's right. Glenn Zeminak. 
You could be 10, and he'd deliver it to you. He didn't care. As long as you gave him a $10 tip, there was no. So we would call him and say, we, where are you? Well, we need two cases of beer. Where are you? And we'd give him like a phony address, and we'd stand there, and he'd come and go, God, what are you worried about? We're going to give you a $20 tip. All right, just give me the money. That's how cool it was. Nobody delivers liquor no more. Right. Nobody delivers liquor. In the 70s, there were Alkies that didn't leave the house because some guy dropped off a bottle and a six-pack and cigarettes, and he stopped and got you a sandwich. This is way before any of the delivery <laughs> services. This is better than the Internet. This is way better than the Internet. And, and Coco, of course, someone asked me recently, I think it was with my brother going to the NCAA tournament with FDU about growing up and the whole bit, and why basketball? And it being such an urban game and bringing people together. Obviously, like you said, 88th Street, 79th Street, 82nd Street. You could walk a couple of blocks. There was a park, a new set of characters to play. And... You know, it, it was easily accessible. All you needed is a ball. Now, we lost Howard Garfinkel recently, a legend of of the game who started the five-star basketball camp, of which you were a camper. And I would love to look up your ranking by Tom Kinshalski, but uh, I know you, you were touched by that. find it? I don't know. I don't know. It's worth a look, though. Like uh. the Kenny Wilson from St. Anthony's. More shakes than Carvel. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I, you know, basketball is obviously whatever. You know, we had great football teams and great baseball teams. I got a, I went to Boo's basketball camp with Chucky McBreen. Yes, I a, went there as well. Yes, that's right. At, uh, Ramapo. Yep, that's right. Absolutely. So I went yeah. there with Chucky and Ralph Afuso, and we tormented those people. We just yelled, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> they gave you a windbreaker. That's Remember right. The blue, like dark blue, black windbreaker. Yeah. And then we also went to Joe Namath football camp with Chucky McBreen, and Joe <laughs> Namath would throw with you. And then we also went to offense defense football camp. That was a football camp run by. Uh, by uh, Jack Ham and Jack Lambert up in Pennsylvania. Really? Steel? And it was Old all yeah, yeah. tremendous, tremendous yeah. football camp. But one day I heard about this superstar basketball camp in Jersey City. 60 bucks, uh, Richie Weiner, you know, just yeah. a bunch of guests. You know, at that time, Krasinski was at Army. Tom Penders was at like... Florida maybe Florida. at the time? Yeah, you sure. Know, all these coaches. Jim Boheim was still at Syracuse. And how about this? Probably Fratello at Montclair State. Fratello at yes. Montclair State. Oh my God, I forgot that name. You know, yep. Bill Raftery was one of the talkers, one of the speakers. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I told this story and people can't believe it how in the, after that seventh grade session, I went to Superstar Basketball Camp the week Elvis died. And I got outstanding rebound. The Richie Weiner that ended up going to South Carolina with Jackie Galoon taught me how to work the post. And I won outstanding rebounder. So I always yeah, kept yeah. in touch with Coach Hurley. I would just call him up. And he was interested in me and Whitey going to St. Anthony's. So we would hang out at all the AAU games with Mandy Johnson and yes. Bobby Venable and all that yeah, shit. Yeah. And one day he goes, if you guys really want to make it in high school players, you got to get into five-star. So I'll call Howie Garfinkel for you. And that was like the premier camp. And I went up there and I met your brother was going. So we went over there together and we had Kenny Denard. And I said it last night. We had a guy by the name of Cheese Johnson. Cheese Johnson, all these black people talking about racism and stuff. Cheese Johnson had the hardest black man job of all time. Do you remember who Cheese Johnson was? He played for New Mexico State. And the year that... The Aggies. The year that Bird was making a run for it, they wouldn't air Bird. Bird Bird was, was averaging 33 points a game. And the country wanted to see this team that was 10-0 and 
play. And they wouldn't. Like, they had Duke and, you know, Notre Dame and Villanova. And finally, the country won. So they had a switch to the first televised game that the country ever saw Larry Bird. And they played New Mexico State at New Mexico. And Cheese Johnson was my counselor. That poor black man had the first... job of covering Larry Bird on national television. And Larry Bird at those days, was he didn't miss. It was, who was the point guard on Indiana State? The lefty kid, the right? The lefty kid. And they didn't miss. The rest of the team was garbage. So for them to beat, they ended up 31-1 or something. Something like that. Their only loss may have been to, to Magic in yeah, the finals. Magic yeah, and the, the Vols. That's it, the Michigan State. But Cheese Johnson was the first guy that had to cover Bird on national TV. Kenny Denard was there with us. But uh, I think uh, who's Dominique Wilkins was there. Now, with you know what's so funny? I was going to go there. My brother comes home from this camp, like you said. My father dropped you guys off at oh, the Port Authority, Port Authority to get the bus in the, in Manhattan. My brother says, "This guy on my team, you got to remember this name, Dominique Wilkins." So that was like the power of five star. That was it. And, and, of course, you know, launched UB Brown as an instructor. You know what, also, like, you talk about Coach Hurley. Now, I played for Jerry Halligan at St. Peter's Prep, and you talk about Coach Hurley at St. Anthony's, who went to prep, played for Halligan. But that's the thing that you talk about, like, neighborhoods and communities. And there were guys coaching that, like, Mr. Fafaro, Frank Benna, uh, Stan Newman. I mean, are you kidding me? Vin- Vinny Ascalis, who, uh, I mean, you know, these guys dedicated their lives to kids like us. They were uh they went above and beyond. They were more than a coach. Yesterday Anthony Sabatino posted a picture of him and Mr. Palute. Did you see that picture on Facebook? Do you know who Mr. Palute was? Yes. Mr. Palute was a baseball coach freshman year. Mr. Palute was also a big bookmaker. I ended up owing him like ten thousand dollars. He wouldn't talk to me. In fact, his buddy George McGrath, Camel Breath, yeah, yeah, will yeah. still not talk to me on Facebook because we called him Camel Breath because he smelled camel cigarettes with no filter. And his face was orange from the fucking cigarettes. That's how much he smoked. His lips, his mustache was orange. I still think of all those guys. Exactly, that, that yeah. Us, whether it was Mr. Fafaro. Or yeah, Pete, yeah, exactly. Frankie Benna. Frankie Benna hated me. <laughs> really? The king? Frank the me. king Benna. fucking hated me. But I was one of the guys that went to uh, AAU basketball. We went to Michigan. Well, we went to Detroit. Really? We to, went to, to Florida with to, Mike to, to Crow. Yeah, yeah. And Mr. Marino. Legend. Mr. Legend. Marino fucking, we called him up in the middle of the night. I'm like, Marino, you suck. We get to the <laughs> hotel. What do you think we do? We go right to the street. We get somebody to buy us a case of quartz. And that guy drove us down there, found the beers. We didn't even get to play a game. He put us back in the van, and we drove right back home. He was pissed. Like my He was mom, hot? He was hot. My mom beat me that day. What do you mean you got beers? What kind of animals are you? <laughs> if you just joined us, this is Horrendous Agendas Podcast. We're talking with comedian Joey Coco Diaz from the old neighborhood back in Jersey. He's at the Punchline in Sacramento this weekend. Check him out. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Horrendous Agenda. Joey Coco Diaz in studio in California's capital city. It's uh, iHeartRadio, News Radio, KFBK, special edition of Horrendous Agendas Podcast. So, Coco, I think it's important. Your story is inspirational, and in your own words, how did you end up a comedian, actor, etc.? How did I end up? Who knows? I mean, as you know one thing, let's be honest here. People talk about Louis C.K. and Kevin Hart. 
and all these funny comedians, and you and I know there's not too many people funnier than Tommy Parker and Roger Holloway. <laughs> I mean, in 1983, I'd put Roger Holloway up against Eddie Murphy. It didn't matter. He would blow his, his doors off. And just all that comedy we grew up with, because we grew up with not written comedy, but it was more situational comedy. <laughs> like, just stuff happened that you can't believe. Like, you know, it's like right now everybody's freaking out about the politics system, political system, <laughs> what's going on. To you and I, it's just another day. I mean, you know, we grew up with Debrianne Ann Ballingall. You know, which we could go for hours. In this country, we would go for political stories we grew up with. We'd go for hours. And they wouldn't believe it. They would not, would believe, not believe it. it. Well, Hollywood should, wouldn't buy the script. There's no, no way. You know, no when way. We, when we were, the mayor election got so heated in 83 in our hometown. How old were you in 83? 83, though? I was 13, 17. 17. 17. Maybe you junior in high school. But yeah. enough to pay attention. We had this system run by Joe Mako, and then they got thrown out with a tremendous, like, Peter Marco, Joe Marco, Carmine Balzano shooting a guy in the back nine times in self-defense and getting away with it. You know, this goes on forever. He, he lost his, cop, his job as a cop, but he kept his pension. I just talked to Carmine Saturday night. That's my stepfather. So I know all this, the insides and out of it. They wanted to get the new political system out of there because some of them went to jail. So they hired this hooker, and they took her to ABC Studios. This is my witness. ABC, eyewitness late-breaking news with Bill Butel. Yes. And they yep. had her tell her story that the mayor was her pimp. She just went off on the news, and they know it didn't do anything. It shook up the town. But a year later, they found her dead. Like, this is all, these were all, we learned politics 101 growing up, ripping down signs, and, you know, we learned it. This is no mayor in Hudson County ever leaves his post. He always ends up in jail. All the mayors from Hudson County, West New York, or they die. They either die or go to jail. Nobody just walks away after 30 years. You know, there's a rumor going on right now that in our hometown, there's more feds in our hometown. They're in Quantico, Virginia. Like, you got to be careful in North Bergen. You can't say nothing. They got the whole town on wire right now because they were going up against Christie for a while. They were trying to, he was bad in our town. So nobody knows the politics that you and I have seen. Just as a, like every, like when Trump, when Cruz didn't know who put the ad in that he had, man, this is all fabricated. Trump just went and paid a half a mil, put the ad in there. That's old school <laughs> stuff where the rest of the country is like, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. But that's what politics is, you know. I'm really proud to have grown up there because I learned all these things. And when I was a young man, my mom died. And I didn't have to go to an orphanage. I didn't have to go. The town raised me. That expression where it takes a village to raise a child, the town raised me. My calls during the week are not to my friends in L.A., but to the people I grew up with. I talk to Mike Askley three times a week. I talk to James Alano. I talk to Lebrano. How many times did that toothless stuttering <laughs> cook for me? When I get off a plane now and I check into the hotel, the first knock on my door is Lebrano with my... My, my mom made some nice chicken cutlets with some ziti, and she made, ooh, a nice little chocolate cake. I mean, he still feeds me. You know, these are the kids that raised me. And at the time, I was, I'm Cuban. It's an Italian neighborhood. There's no racism. You know, I did something. I got to them, even though whatever they, so it's a, it was a beautiful town. They did so much for me that I got in trouble, and I was so ashamed 
that I had to leave this world by doing something. Like, I had to do something. I didn't have to be a comedian or be on TV. I just wanted to do something with my life. Even if I was, if I would have got voted the best picker-upper in Sacramento by the Dog Association, <laughs> I would have had something to be proud of. And that's why I did what I did. I wanted to let everybody who fed me get, you know, there was a time when Jennifer Askelis, Janine, the middle one. Janine, yeah. She, we, is, we were in grammar school together. Yes. How, she's a sweetheart. Oh, of no course, drinking, yeah. No drinking, no nothing. Didn't understand my world. I would knock on her door in the back, and she would come down and give me one of her father's T-shirts. I would shower. I was homeless. I was living in the rocket ship at 88th Street Park. In the rocket ship. There's a rocket ship that's still there. And I used to live on the bottom floor of the rocket ship at night. I'd tell my friends, drop me off at the park. Some chick's going to pick me up. I would lie to them. I would go. I would wait till they pulled away, and I would go to sleep in this little rocket ship. But I would walk the hashways, and he'd give me food. You know, never made fun of me. I would go, hash, I need a roast beef sandwich, and they'd feed me. This was just a great community, man. And it's gone now. But it lives in me every day. I'm still North Bergen, you know. Never say die. We, we, we. You have to shoot me with a bazooka. You know, I was ready to quit comedy in 2009. And here we are. Here we are, man. Because you have to shoot us with a bazooka. You know, I talked about John Spinarco on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's still working. Which on one? Jim, Jimmy Spinarco? The or? one that played. At Duke? Yeah. 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 He's still working for CBS. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All my idols, Michael Corrin. I still remember being at Our Lady of Fatima. Do you want to talk about basketball and dedication? In the summers, it gets so hot that we couldn't play in the daytime. I still play in the humid, but most people just don't. It's you can feel the blacktop. You can feel yeah, it, the, the heat it would, on your it would shoes melt. through your, the soles. Your shoes would be. So, what you did in those days was you went out at night. I still remember. July of 80, 78, getting ready for freshman basketball, which wasn't until November 15th, by the way. It's July. And me, Anthony Sinsulo, and Danny Calandrillo, like I had to lie to my mom and say, I'm going to some kid's house to sleep. Okay. Me and Sinsulo walked. Like, you didn't drive. You walked from 43rd Street. Number two, we come from the second hilliest town in the country. Everything's a hill. When you're peeing, you're on a hill. Like, in the summers, in the winters, when it would rain, the cemeteries would wash out in the 70s because that's how hilly we are. We would walk hills. And I still remember, and when I had Callan Drill on the podcast, I asked him, I said, do you still remember that summer? We would get together, and we would meet at 12. And we would play ball till 5 in the morning, one-on-one, -on -one, three points. Me, Sinsulo, Danny Callan who was the leading scorer in the country at Seton Hall. Yep. That's a fact. Took the scoring in the nation, and a kid by the name of Dick Nicky. Yes. Nicky yes. Seglia. Yeah. That yeah. was a model. He was six foot yeah. six. <laughs> we would play ball till five in the morning in the sweat. And at the same time as we were playing ball, a mile away at a court named Hudson County Park, guess who was there practicing? Tell him. I'm going to say Bernard King. Bernard King, because he lived <laughs> at the Galaxy, and he was playing for the yes. Nets. Or the Knicks. He was playing for the Nets at the time, so yes. So he would come out at midnight and play. This is how much of a geek I was. Me and my friends would sneak out and hide behind the rocks at Hudson County Park and wait for Bernard King. And then Bernard King would walk up with palming the basketball, and we'd all charge him, and we'd play ball with us. And one night, he broke Brian Smite's nose. At 3 in the morning, he made a, that spin move. Yes, and yes. And Brian Smythe was right there, and he broke his nose. And me, Bernard King, it wasn't Chuck McBreen. It was like Bruce McBreen, 
Yeah, okay. And, and Brian Smythe went to North Hudson Hospital and got his nose fixed, and we had breakfast with Brian King. <laughs> you have no idea. I'm about to cry. That was the best day of my life. And, and of course, Cole, you talk about Calandrillo. Well, Calandrillo was the pillar of the Big East when it started, and we know where it's gone from them. O'Quarren at North Carolina, Spinarkle at Duke. And Spinarkle, of course, like you said, does many games as an analyst, does a lot of work with the, with the Nets as an analyst, and then the NCAA tournament and the season. Uh but just tremendous. So this provides you the foundation just to just to keep going, and I think that's something. Sometimes you did a great job articulating, but it's hard to explain that every knock is a bump, and just that ability to keep going and the capacity, the the strength that I think it breeds in every one of us to just keep going. It's all about the next play. It's all we were always. Uh... It's just a great play. You know, we had Tommy Heinsohn from Hudson County. We had all these great basketball players. I mean, listen, my biggest inspiration ever was, you know, going home and having your basketball on the arm with your favorite jersey on. And the day that O'Corin was a freshman, O'Corin was a freshman, guys, and somebody got hurt. And in the semis, they put him in against uh, Glenn Gondrzejczyk. Look, look, I'm dropping. It was UNLV. Look, it was UNLV against North Carolina in the final four. And uh, I think I think Gondrzejczyk got held. Okay. I think O'Corin held Gondrzejczyk. Okay. He scored like an amount of like 30 points or something. So that Monday night, they had to play Marquette. Yes. It was That's Al's right. last game. Yeah, Al McGuire. Yeah. Phil Ford. I mean, this is talent coming out the Whitehead, ass. too, is the kid Jerome with Marquette, Whitehead. right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. Jerome Whitehead. And I still remember. Like doing something and them going from Jersey City, Mike O'Corn. And that was it for me. Like I said, I got to do that. Like I just want to hear one time from North Bergen, New Jersey, Joey Diaz. That's it. That's all I want to hear to make me happy. Like that, that's just that moment with Mike O'Corn. Remember they put a spot, an article out on him, Sport Magazine. This is huge. Way yeah, 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 yeah. Rosie. His mom's name was Rosie. Yes, exactly. And she worked at a diner. And they went to the diner and they watched how hard she worked. I still remember going to the AAU game with Mandy Johnson and St. Anthony's, and they lost. And Bill Hurley gave a speech. He goes, you guys played like crap. He goes, tomorrow Rutgers is playing North Carolina at the Garden with James Bailey against Michael Korn, <laughs> and you guys don't deserve to go. And he ripped up their tickets and threw them on the floor. <laughs> and on the way out, he had three tickets. He goes, here's me for you and Whitey. <laughs> he saved us two tickets. And I still remember going to the well, garden and watching Rutgers against North Carolina. Jesus Christ. This yeah. is just, you know. I, I, I imagine that, remember the battles at White Eagle Hall. So it'd be Raleigh Massimino, Digger Phelps. Oh, my God. It, all, you know, all the coaches. White Eagle Hall was his basketball court that was one rim was ten and a half feet. And the other room was a bitty, <laughs> bitty basket ball. I talked to a cop in Hoboken the other day. He says he still sees juice. Is that right? Bob Du Bois and yes. the other guy, they still see him. They went to Boston College. Went to Boston College, Armando Rebus, wow. King. Those guys are still around, man. And why do you go home? You could not shoot from the corners because of the balcony at the bingo hall. So you didn't really have to worry about defending that. You could play. I could play off David Rivers and not get embarrassed, not get worked. I still remember when the Knicks, when the Nets moved to Piscataway. This is how geek we were, guys. We were geeks, basketball geeks. Talk about Howard Finkel, Howard Garfinkel. God have him in his glory. 
he recruited a kid. He was the first guy that recruited Moses Malone out of Florida. Yes. And made yep. him a Houston Rocket. And me, Chucky, when they got moved, when the Nets moved to Piscataway, they used to practice at APA, telling them about APA. <laughs> so here's these geeks, all of us. And here's the Nets practicing at APA. APA was Imperator. He was a trucker guy. A mobster, supposedly, but he built a basketball <laughs> court and a gym. It was like for the employees. State-of-the-art in the 70s. State-of-the-art fiberglass basketballs, water weights, and the nets. That's how big. It was a trucking facility, and the nets practiced there. That's how, that's how wired up this guy was. But me and eight of us took a bus to Piscataway to see Houston Rockets against the nets. And just to see Moses Malone, me, Chucky. <laughs> Like, we were in Whitey O'Donnell, Malone, Mahoney. We were in love with basketball. We took two buses, and that's the night Moses, he was, in those days, he was doing 24 rebounds a game. That's unheard of. Shaq didn't get 24 he rebounds re- It's like game. an involuntary reaction. Yeah. The way we breathe, Moses Malone would pick up double-doubles. Yeah, the, the, he, he was the king of the double-double. How about this? I still remember going to Broomfield to watch North Bergen. Against Kelly Trapeze. Yes. When that boy was scoring a thousand points a year. Okay. Most guys, he was recruited by every school in the country except Vassar. Va- every school recruited <laughs> Kelly Trapeze. And he scored 48 points against us. He did 20 for 24 from the field in high school. 20 for 24. And we beat him at the end because he missed an alley oop. It was all That's right. Alley-oop. Final play. Yes. Final play. Alley oop. And DeVito defended. Carl DeVito. DeVito yes. He was a 19-year-old sophomore. That transferred from Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tremendous. And that team, Frank Ashon, Calandrillo, uh, Louis Cruz. Louis Cruz. Havlicek. We had a Havlicek yes, in that's North right. Bergen. We had Finkels yep. in North yep. Bergen. They all had Boston Celtic. I mean, we had tradition all the way to the Celtics. And then in the eighth grade, I met this guy, Todd Jordan. He was the... No, Todd Jordan. Uh... His name was Wally Lindsley. He was, our town was so corrupt that my eighth grade teacher was the Weehawken mayor. Okay, so there was another town that was a mayor and my eighth grade teacher. He ended up going to prison. They pulled him out of class because he sold the rocks. All those, uh, all those views you see of New York City, that's Weehawken. All those pictures you see of the skyline, that's where we're from. So he, would, he sold all that. He was the first guy that started doing illegal business. He ended up doing like 15 years, my eighth grade teacher. I talked to him about a year ago. I sent him a comedy tape. He goes, somebody told me you're a comedian. Send me a tape. So I still talk to him. <laughs> Wally Lindsay, the, the, the alcohol, firearms, all those cops came and got him out. We were in the eighth grade. But his, he was a mayor, and his henchman was this crazy dude that had a wig, and he took us to see. Uh, he get, went to prison because he punched Red Orback in the face. Mm. Me and Chucky always talk about because Chucky, me, and Whitey, he, t- he kept telling yeah, us, yeah. if you guys win, he told us two things in the eighth grade. He goes, if you guys win... I'm going to take you to the Sixes against the Knicks on Christmas Day at the Garden. That Dr. Was, J. Dr. J. That was Santa <laughs> Claus when you got Dr. J coming to town. This is the mayor's aide. He had a bad wig. He had been in prison. So he strung us along for the whole November. I got tickets. I got tickets. I got tickets. Front row. Christmas Day comes. He calls. He goes, meet me in front of the Garden at, at 730. We're like, we thought you had tickets. Yeah. We get there. Me, Whitey, and Chucky. He says, give me $5 a piece. <laughs> we give him $5 a piece, and he gives us ripped neck tickets. And he goes, you're going to stub your way in. Put the five behind the ticket and give it to the door guy. He knows me. 
Once we get in, we got to run for it. Now, it's sold out. <laughs> it's sold out. We're sitting in chairs. Every chair we sit in, somebody comes and goes, excuse me, that's our chair. Oh, my God. So, Joey Coco Diaz at the Punchline this weekend in Sacramento. Check him out. Multiple shows. Uh, Coco, I don't even know where to transition from that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just being honest, this I'm pretty good. I, I, I'm pretty good at orchestrating addition and this whatever. This is what we grew up with. It's got to tell them, Miranda. Exactly. Just laying it out. So now you're a family man. How about that transition? That's a terrible transition. It's crazy. <laughs> it's uh, it's great. It's great to you know have a daughter and a wife. You know, I always yearn for a family, especially after losing my family. So now I got my own family, and, and it's just great. I take them back. I showed them North Bergen. I took. I met. I introduced to Mr. Barone and some of the boys. I, I, uh, it was. It was just great. I, I, you know, showed all. I mean, I took him through all North Park and my wife. And obviously now I got a problem that she wants to move back there. Right. But I she fell in love with it. Yeah, I can't go back. To you Jersey. mentioned you mentioned the hills, and it's because it's on the on the bluff overlooking the Hudson River and in the shadow of the skyline of Manhattan. Yeah, she fell in love with it. So now I'm fighting that off. So. uh it's great, man. It's great to go home and see those guys now. And uh, it's sad what's going on at some points, but the bond we built is unbreakable. Like, it's just something. I saw your brother went to the finals and people flew out to be with him at his right. game. That's back in Dayton, yeah. Back first four, Dayton. yeah, exactly. That's, yep. uh, you know, we're really he was one. He wanted you, he was curious if you had any eligibility left. What he was going to put you oh, in. I know he was going to put me in. Absolutely. Me they could have used you against Florida Gulf Coast. But, yeah, it's tremendous. Just uh, we had a great life there, and uh, it's who we, you know. And I go to L.A. now, and I meet people that are from there, like the guy that created The Simpsons. It's from North Bergen. I had a conversation with him one day, and I'm like, oh, my God. He had oh. a North Bergen shirt on, and his cook is my jiu-jitsu teacher. Wow. At the time, my jiu-jitsu teacher was his personal chef. So my the personal chef goes, North Bergen. He goes, my boss always talks about North Bergen. Is that where you're from? That's where he's from. I'm going to ask him. And he put <laughs> us together. The guy from Game of Thrones is from Bayonne. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that like either. All these yeah. people like uh, Nathan Lane is from Jersey City. He went to Pr- St. Peter's Prep. St. Peter's yes. Prep. I didn't yep. know that. Like all these guys are from there. But it's just, uh, I don't know. This it, Being from there really made me, it really kept me alive like this is what i need to do and you know it's just a plan like this pride we got like this fake pride in us that uh i I can't go home hit not the way we were raised we can't go home hit you know just just so i miss it you know it's great to see you because looking at you i'm at hashways for 10 minutes right you sitting know, on the crates. Sitting on the remember crates. The crates? Yeah. You know, I remember when Glenn was going to school, we'd have to stock the shelves. I mean, we all yep. stocked the shelves there. Yeah. Because that's what you did. You'd walk in and Mrs. Ash would go, Coco, where are you who's stocked the shelf? <laughs> you stocked the shelf. You know, that's what you did. You went to the store for her and uh Exactly. And Gary holding it down. Gary holding <laughs> it down. You know, I remember one time I owed this bookmaker money and he saw me. Like I was walking from 88th Street and he saw me on the boulevard and he chased me. So I ran into Our Lady of Fatima, the church, yeah. and behind it in the front there were like uh, roses, and I hid yep. the roses, and I didn't know I was getting thorn bushes. <laughs> I was bleeding everywhere, and I ran to Hashways bleeding, and he chased me, and I went into Hashways, and never forget this, and he pulled his motorcycle up. This guy was an animal, and he's like, get the <laughs> out of here, and Mr. Hashway went out there. Mr. Hashway was an old man. Mr. Hashway told him, you get the <laughs> off my lot, or I'll <laughs> 
I'm hit you with a piece of salami, you piece of <laughs> And then he came in, he told me to get my life together. He straightened me out. He goes, I don't want this at my store. You know, the hashways, we weren't, we, you weren't allowed to eat lunch out. North Bergen made a rule. So he took the back room and put chairs so yes. in the back. So when the teachers came, they wouldn't see us out. Just so many little things that they're right and they're wrong at the same time, you know. And I miss exactly. that a lot. Yeah. And anywhere I go now in the country, somebody shows up from North Bergen. Even if they're older than me, even if I don't know them. And they come and they put their hand on and They go, listen, man, we're really proud of you for what you're doing. And that means the world to me. That's more than money or making people laugh. Just that I did some with my life. I write every morning, like about my day. And the last sentence is always, I thank God that I ended up just doing something with my life. Never mind succeeding or being the best. Just doing something. Because I always wanted to make those people proud. You know, and uh, that's it. Man. And you have. And what a perfect place to park it. Joey Coco Diaz. Check him out at the Punchline this weekend in Sacramento. Follow Friday him on his... Saturday, brother. Friday and Saturday? Friday. What times? 8 and 10. 8 and 10. And the show's going to go quick tonight, so... You know, these uh, this is a nice blue collar place, and uh, I do better with the blue collar workers. So <laughs> we'll be all there tonight. And I echo your sentiment, Coco. We're all proud of you being from North Bergen, and another touch point here in uh, Sacramento. It was gr- obviously it's always great to see you, whether great it's in L A or Pierre. Uh, we love you. I We're love proud you of you, and. Well, uh, well, I'm sure we'll be checking you out, staying in touch, and seeing you at the punchline tonight Love and over through the weekend. Love you too, Coco. Thank Thanks you. so much. 